Welcome to the Find and Follow podcast, where we believe life is in the light, spiritual darkness is the enemy, and finding and following Jesus is the best way to live life. I'm Scott Langhand, your host, joined today by Craig. Hi, Craig. Good to be here. And Kyle. Welcome, Kyle. Hey, hey. So we are hanging out. Thanks for tuning in wherever you find yourself at work or driving the kids around or doing some housework or taking a walk. Working out. Working it's a out. good workout. I listened to last week's in at gym yesterday morning. Is that a motivator, like as a workout mode, or is it like a distractor? How did that go as a workout no, thing? No, yeah, it's like a distractor. Okay. I mean, I listen to a lot of sermons and podcasts and stuff while I'm working out. I'm not a big podcast workout. I don't listener. need like a pump up music jam. I don't know. Oh, I need. But you're doing like 17 million miles. I'm just sitting on a machine or <laughs> squatting or benching. Like it's not. Yeah. You, you, yeah, I do need some uh, something to maybe get lost in the thoughts for yeah. about 90 minutes sometimes. That doesn't help you, like, thinking through this, like, leadership dynamic or something in a podcast? Yeah, it probably would. I just, maybe I should try it. Maybe I should give it a whirl. I don't know. But I just appreciate you tuning in wherever you're at. Maybe you're working out. I like to, I like to use it as, like, I feel like I'm learning. I feel like it's, like... You're growing uh, your mind. You're growing yeah, your body. Yeah, there you go. You're getting swole yep, everywhere. Everywhere. Okay. That, maybe it's it. I don't know. <laughs> Craig, you working out, listening to podcasts? No, when Cindy and I do our workouts, we visit. So, Chit-chat. just the other day, we are yes, two days ago, we went uh, hiked up the hill, and had a bunch of elevation gain and two and a half miles, and a great time together. So that's what we do. Great job, nice. Yeah, well, see, like Amy and I ride bikes. It's hard to chit chat sometimes. Exactly. We're a well, we're, apart we're walking because it's sunny days or for bike days, and so it's the weather has turned. For the good, it's really nice out there. Yeah, so that wind goes away. It's going to be perfect. 75 this Sunday for Ooh. the hike. I know, it's super great. That's great. Winds are perfect as long as you go one way. There you go. You get that tailwind going, you feel like you're Lance Armstrong. And then you have somebody the else come pick you up. I was going to say you're Lance. doping it the up. Doped version. And then somebody wins. comes pick you up and throw your bike in the back of their truck or something. Like, what do you? Sometimes. You're only going to go one day, yeah. one way. Yeah, we got to mix it up. We have different routes, and so yes, a lot of times we will like, hey, will you pick me up in Quarter Lane? <laughs> Literally, we'll just run to places or bike to places just to make it not a loop or not an out and back. Right. Because we live in a great spot and we have tons of routes. Um, and we've ran a bunch and biked a bunch of them. And one of my things that I try to do is always have a new route. So even if it's a 100-foot section or I cut down this street instead of that street I normally do, then I just feel like it's new. All these little mind tricks that I, I don't know, fun exploring different places so yep. yeah getting the bike out riding outside we've done that several times already so i'm excited to get some sunburns right i got a couple i i don't think i got burnt but i got some sun on vacation you for did sure. pretty good i like, did in 90 some weather 93 most of the days was the high and it, down in arizona where yeah. the angle of the sun's a little steeper than it is here in the yeah Northwest? the uv index oh. a little higher don't yeah. get me started what, on vitamin what was D. it when we were in hawaii it was 10 11 12, i don't know we were we were paying I was way too to busy it. laying at the pool to look at the UV index. No. Right. Yeah, oh. we were just trying to avoid getting sun burn because burn. that meant sun damage, which yeah. means skin cancer. Yeah, I did good. I, Lindsay, one of Lindsay's favorite things, my wife, Lindsay, one of her favorite things to do on vacation is just chill. Like, that's, we just lay by the pool and get sun. So I'm always like, okay, I'll be in the shade long, for a little bit longer. How long do you get a, yeah, how long do you get in that mode? And then you're like, yeah. I normally get a book. Okay. And so I'm pretty good. I'll dip in the pool. Like I, my thing was like I'll read my book in the pool. Oh, that yeah, you know? that's money. Side side stand in, dip in there a little Floaty? bit. Floaty? 
Uh, I didn't listen. Lindsay was on the floaty. I'm normally like side deck, full body in, leaning on the side. Read a, so I, I go. I can read. A, I was reading uh, Tiger Woods, still in his biography, reading about Tiger Woods. <laughs> Fascinating. So uh, hero. Yeah, the goat. Hero. But uh, it's a, it's like covers his whole life, so it's a lot of a lot of stuff. What's your prediction? If, if for people listening and they don't know, Tiger Woods got in a car wreck, like hurt legs, knees. Oh, he's done. He's out. He's done. done. He's not going to win again. No, but is he going to play again? I, oof, I don't know. Okay. He's not going to be competitive again. So do you think he would play even though? I think he, if he can, he will. He can't be competitive? Yeah, he'll try, but he's... He yeah. might win the John Deere Classic. <laughs> he's done, yeah. The he's done. John Deere Classic? That's a tournament. Yeah. Is it really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it'll take any sponsor. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> You, you want to pay for it? Any bank. Any, yeah. Anyway, so you guys are on vacation. You did play some golf. I though. did, yeah. Put around. That's what you do in Arizona. Yep. You hang out with old people and you golf, right? Those are the two things. And you lay by the pool. Yep. That's about it. And eat a lot of food. I like We we do like to yelp it up. Oh, let's and go. go to quite a few different uh, restaurants. Ordered like Uber Eats to the house when we watched the Zegs lose. Um, and it's got to be more than three on Yelp, right? It's got to be four or five. Oh, yeah. Four and a half. There's four a whole half. yeah. There's a whole thing. I mean, it, it depends on how many reviews they have, and then yeah. So you Kyle will sift through the reviews oh. and throw out some oddballs if it doesn't you know pertain to like the food quality and it's like they had a bad server. So he'll throw that out and he'll recalculate the whole rating system. There's yeah. There's way too much going on in there. About yeah, like this. if you just had a bad experience because your server was slow, but the food is really excellent and they don't have as many reviews. I'll, yeah, I'll give you a chance. Or or to go from there. Which is legit. Like when you read an Amazon review and they reviewed it one star because the delivery driver put it in their bushes. Like that has yeah. nothing to do Come with on. the product. The don't, quality of the product. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't do that. Don't review that for the product. When I'm when like, I'm making a Yelp review that way, like if I had a horrible experience, like the businesses ran bad, I won't normally like, hey, it's it's busy or the server was bad. But if like the overall business is just like they they got something to work on, I'll, and I'll give a bad review, I'll start at the top. Hey, this is not about the food. They need to fix this issue because this is terrible, right? Like they canceled my reservation for no reason, or I went and they were closed. Like figure it out. Right. But I'll caveat that. Like, hey, I want you to know. I didn't really get a full experience, so I can't be honest about the steak was amazing. So, yeah, that that is an interesting thing, Craig. You have more perspective on this than Kyle and I, but that's an interesting thing in our society today: the ability for all of us to voice our opinions, and for many, many people, instantly, instantly, and then for it to be available to so many other people and people we don't know, and just headlines or two sentences about an experience, um, and then we weigh that. As consumers, as people that are, whether it's a business or an experience or a political thing, or I mean, just we have this voice now that wasn't true before. If you couldn't get on TV or didn't have a newspaper column, because you were legit journalists mm-hmm. and had readers and were sensible and had editors, and, yep. you know, that's just different now. There's a bunch of good with that. Right? In, in but its there's purest, also a bunch of negative. Oh, for sure there's negative. In its purest form, that kind of stuff is actually a very helpful tool. You find out, you know, what you would learn the hard way. You find out the easy way, learning from somebody else's experience. But unfortunately, human nature being what it is and people having agendas, good, bad, or otherwise, um, they start using that to further their agenda, whether it's... Yelp reviews or Google reviews or social media or whatever it is, yeah. this instant news cycle, this instant opinion cycle, unfortunately, is just being corrupted 
by the people that are abusing it. And again, there's a lot of good that's there, but it's just getting overlaid with all these agendas and this outrage and this cancel culture and all that stuff. It's just, yeah, unfortunate. Yeah. I don't know about can- cancel culture. Can you just can't you can't just cancel people? You could fire people <laughs> or not hire people. You can't just go around canceling people. Nobody, right? Like, what am I missing here on this? Like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna cancel culture. We're gonna cancel this person. Or we're gonna cancel that thing. It's just a phrase. It's it's a way to re refer to people's dismissiveness of uh-huh. other people they don't agree with. Yeah, I right. think it's, and then what if I totally reject your dismissiveness and it ha- makes no bearing on your opinion? But I, I think it's to, for your to, Craig, to Craig's point, we have a, a collective as a society or even a, a digital community, we have this collective gang mentality that we go, hey, because of this or this business stands for this or this person, like we are going to publicly shun them and socially, you know, through media outlets, shun them and tarnish their reputation and quote unquote cancel them like you need to think badly about this person because i had a bad experience or i heard them say this thing and now let's you know get the mob after them and we cancel them and so you know yeah i think that's the dangerous side to craig to what you're saying is the you know snowball effect of what we've created in in our reviewing and opinions and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's always been a thing. It's just that we've put a little fuel on the fire. Well, that's what the Jews did to Jesus. Yep. They tried to cancel him. They thought they won. They did. And they lost horribly. That's a good point. They were, they were actually just following the divine plan of what God was trying to do. And they're like, we're going to cancel him and get, get the gang riled up, get the mob mentality going, and we're just going to make a thing happen. Yeah. It's, so that's part, I guess, I get a little bit just just disappointed in is the people like are you personally offended no but someone is and i'm gonna pick that up and we're gonna get after this thing and like it's not what wait what are you doing with your life like the purpose and your energy and right. trying to hate on someone or be dismissive and it's like wait, we're we can't we're not canceling people let's let's understand that everyone's an image bearer of the creator and treat them with a little more respect and dignity even if we disagree even if they've done something that's horrible and maybe evil um it's just a different response i guess as a christ follower than than other people would have right so anyways try to try to segue here to to john as we're looking at the eyewitness account of John and uh, the life of Christ and who Jesus really is and what it means in our life, like how we respond to people, mm-hmm. people we disagree with and whether we yeah. can cancel them or, I don't know, like Jesus said, pray for our enemies and love them and they, uh, they want to take stuff from us and God says, great, give them your coat and your, sh- your shirt and your jacket, you know, uh, walk with them an extra mile to serve people. So... We have this uh, thing that we've been trying to get to, Kyle. Yeah, we've been trying to get to for I, like a month. I, I was a little, I was excited about the tail end of John twenty, and then we've taken a little bit of break. I was on vacation last week. I was like, oh, I'm bummed. I'm going to miss out on some of the insight that I wanted to give towards Thomas. And then I was pleasantly surprised slash disappointed <laughs> when you guys went backwards last week and not forwards. We didn't go backwards. You we went just, backwards for sure. We did? Yep. Is there a written rule somewhere that you can't go backwards? No, not at all. I was just like, oh, they're going to move forward. Nope, they went backwards. Or are we on an exact timeline? Can we not bring up all. John chapter 2 <laughs> yeah, today? Yeah, let's do it. So I'm actually, I'm, yeah. Well, I'm, you're welcome. Thank you. I was we like, hey, I get, I get to talk about. We're going to um, talk about doubt. And I think the doubt is cousin is fear and disbelief and i think that's a super yeah relevant topic for all of us and absolutely thomas has this 
experience as we talked a lot about last time as Jesus showed up to, um, does it say? Just a bunch of disciples. They're in a room with the doors locked. Yeah, one evening on the first day, verse 19 of chapter 20, the disciples were together. So there's a good group of them. And Jesus shows up and he's peace be with you. And then we had talked about the forgiveness of sin thing. So they have this experience. Yeah, and so we've kind of been doesn't. Yeah, we've been talking about this. Jesus has had multiple experiences now in, in his resurrected form, communicate with people. And I, I think we're assuming that he's had that experience with all of the twelve except for Thomas. So like the it. disciples are used, all this kind of stuff. So in my understanding, he's appeared to at least, you know, his his closest eleven, and Thomas for one reason or another, wasn't there. And so, or, I mean, John, ten, or 10. Yeah, 10. That's a good point. We yeah. lost one mm-hmm. along the way. And so, Thomas doesn't have that experience, and he gets told, um, verse 25, we've seen the Lord. We've seen the resurrected Jesus. He's alive. And Thomas is like, yeah, I don't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers in them and place my hand into the wound in his side. And here's here's the thing. Like so, most of most of us who who've read these stories, or maybe been around the church world for a long time, or like we know Thomas as, as doubting Thomas, right? He's this guy who we're kind of like. I think a lot of people look at him negatively, like oh, this guy doesn't have enough faith. Jesus later is going to kind of reprimand him, like bro, you you need to believe. Um, I think Thomas gets a bad rap. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm defend sure. Thomas a little bit here today because okay. I I think what Thomas is doing. Is uh, and what we'll get to is, is pretty amazing. I love this line though, and if you've if you've read uh, the Gospels, Thomas is kind of this guy. He speaks a little bit in like hyperbole. Like you remember earlier on when Jesus is kind of telling him like we're gonna go die with him. Like Thomas is like I feel like he's just that all in guy, like like full send, like go for it. So he speaks this like I'm not gonna believe unless I actually get to touch these wounds that you're talking about. Like I think he's just kind of. He's got a big mouth, or like he just right. like overstates it. Like, really, you're gonna actually, you're gonna actually stick your hand right. in there. Yeah, he, he and Peter have that in common. Yep. But go ahead. And I think that's part of why he traditionally. Well, a, it's recorded his doubt, his disbelief, and other guys' doubt isn't recorded for us. So that's part of why we center on him. Mm-hmm. But he also says, "Hey, I'm not gonna believe it until I can actually touch." Yep. Not like, "Oh, I could probably believe." It seems like it's pretty clear. Like, oh, unless I see. Let's say I see Christ like you guys just did. Because yep. he missed out on that opportunity. Yep. They saw him. Who knows? Did other guys touch him? Like, wait, is that really Jesus? Let me tell you. Or like, are you a ghost? No, you're like the resurrected Christ. So, yeah, he makes a pretty definitive statement. I think that's why, again, he gets a bad rap. And, Scott, you made this point uh, in a conversation the other day that there's there's not this middle ground. And the, specifically, as we understand the the original audience and the original language of this, the idea of belief and unbelief, those those are both dynamic things. We like to think of belief and faith as an active thing and doubt and unbelief as like a passive thing. Like, oh, you just didn't believe. It's the the um, absence of belief. No, it's an active, dynamic thing, unbelief. You're, you're walking that way in unbelief. And that's what Thomas, I think, is doing. And so I think that's an important thing to be like, I just don't know if I believe yet. I'm not there. I'm not moving that direction. Well, you either move in that direction or you're moving a different direction. They're both dynamic activities. And I think that's something important to understand. And we'll, we'll see that even later as, as Jesus' words to Thomas uh, kind of elevate that um, to an even bigger place. So uh, Thomas gets, gets his way, I guess. He says, I'm going to do that. And then Jesus shows up and says, okay, put your money where your mouth is. So after the, that, eight days later in verse 26, they're together again, and Thomas is there, and uh, 
this time Jesus doesn't like knock at the door or do anything. He just like poof, hangs out in the middle of their. He makes a habit of that during the forty days. Just shows up. It shows up. It says. He shows up. He Wouldn't says, "Wouldn't you if you could?" Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely, I would. It's like I uh, would too. it's like uh, Vision in the MCU, oh, right? Yeah. Just starts walking through walls because right. he's not used to using doors. And, yeah, anyway, and he's like, yeah. "Wait, what's happening?" And people yeah. are like, uh, "Vision, you got to use a door." I can, uh, I can just imagine Jesus saying to one of the angels, "Hey, watch this. Watch yeah. how big their eyes get when I do this." Mm-hmm. And then he shows up in a room. And the guys go, "Whoa!" They're yeah. just chilling, <laughs> right? Because so, there's this whole spiritual world and dynamic that's happening all around us each yep. and every day that we're unaware of. Unaware. Well, of. we're aware of, but not even close to the. To only, like 1%, I think, yep. of what yeah. is actually happening. Yeah. So he shows up, and then he, he tells Thomas to put his money where his mouth is. He goes, hey, Thomas, here you go. Here's your opportunity. Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. This is what you wanted, right? This is what you said. Uh, uh, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And that statement right there, I think, again, is um, – it could even almost be translated in stop becoming unbelieving and start becoming believing. You are going this way in unbelief. It's a dynamic, active activity. It's not just a passive sitting here. He says stop moving that direction and start moving this direction, mm-hmm. which, again, I think is why um, it is and an important distinction. Yeah, and then this, this is my favorite. This is why I think he gets a bad rap that's unnoticed. Um, he doesn't have to, at least John doesn't record, he doesn't actually put his fingers in the holes and stick his hand in. What does that feel like? I yeah. want to know what that feels like. I think that's like. why he doesn't. He's like, oh, uh, maybe he? I was just big talk back there. I, does I don't the know. resurrected Christ have a like wound in his side, right? Mm-hmm. How deep is that? It was a spear tip. Obviously he does because he says to Thomas... Here, put your finger there. Yeah. Yeah. You well, could literally so, put your finger in so there. So does he pull up like his How big was a Roman like, spear tip in the day? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, again, pierced. what is the resurrected body of Jesus? Does it look the same? I mean, we obviously in some of the other accounts, the road to Emmaus, it's not like obviously the same Jesus they knew or or maybe it is, but their their minds or eyes aren't open to that yet. Yeah, he, Jesus was spiritually like covering himself. Yeah. Uh-huh. So like, is, is this like. Scott, you came like back and you still look. You got a haircut. Like what? I don't know. Jagged wound. Yeah, you know, I, I think about scars spear. I have. I have a scar on my foot from surgery I had years ago. And it's like, in my resurrected body, am I, am I going to have a scar on my foot? I don't know, but it's an open. It's like an open, like a hole. You can, you put, can your put your hand in there. there. Like you've seen some wounds. You, have you seen some deep wounds? I <laughs> oh, remember yeah. we were sledding at your house a few years ago, Christmas time. You've got a great, good hill. Yep. We've done it for years. You're talking about Wyatt. Yeah. And the whole cousin crew and everybody's out, and we're sledding down, sledding down. And then we do it at nighttime. We throw lights up on uh, the deck and show shine it down. Well, nighttime, it's like 4.30 when it's dark <laughs> in the winter. Anyways, so we're sledding down. We're getting towards the end. And it was one of those moments where you, I, I thought, like, I was literally going to almost die because of what I just witnessed. I push Wyatt down on a tube. You're down at the bottom on the four-wheeler. And it's, what do you think the hill length is? 150 yards, 200 uh, yards yeah. to the very bottom? Yeah, 150 yards. Yeah, probably. it's a good hill. You're down at the bottom. We'd pick kids up, sleds and stuff. It's about a 70-foot elevation drop, too. Yeah, haul so them back up. Steep. So it's, it's drivable, and it's after hours. Mm-hmm. The kids love getting a, getting a ride. Anyways, I shove them down. Why it's pretty little, because this was, he was maybe like six, five? I don't know. And he's going down on the tube. He gets spun around backwards and over the the. I'm seeing what's happening. He's heading right for the back end of the four-wheeler, and I'm yelling at the top. You can't hear me. 
you're paying attention to other kids. Yeah, I was actually waiting for other kids. I was on the a little bit on the side, the uphill side. Yeah, out of the pathway. Out of the pathway, mm -hmm. waiting for some kids to get out of the way so that I didn't endanger them at all. Yeah. And I'm not looking behind me for, no. you know, there's no reason and to. The, and the engine's running and, mm -hmm. you know, just all the commotion. And Wyatt's not old enough and doesn't see it to bail off. And he just ends up running head first into mm. the back end of the four-wheeler. I remember it to this day, and feeling it jolted the thud. You. It, yeah, it jolted, it jolted the, four the whole four-wheeler with you on it. Oof. And I'm just sitting there watching it from way uphill and just thinking, Powerless. my son, my son just died. Yeah. Anyways, this is the grace of God. Like, he didn't even black out. He, so we, I think I ran down there, get down there, and he's just the hat and then just blood is gushing, and it's just this deep wound on his head. Thankfully, we took him to urgent care, and he just needed a few stitches in um, his brain. Is the happy is intact. Like it's, it's the grace of God, because <laughs> as a little kid, move a four-wheeler with a grown adult on it with your head. Anyways, looking so you into went, that. You, you were touching it? No, I didn't put my finger <laughs> in it. Is that where this is going? That was looking into a deep, that's a deep wound. Mm -hmm. Like, it almost felt like you saw a skull, you know. It was one of those uh, moments. So yeah, so Thomas kind of put my finger. Yeah, in that. it was gross. And I think I think Thomas is kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I get it now. But the statement in verse uh, twenty-eight, my Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed, like that's a cool thing. But I think again, I think this is where Thomas doesn't get the credit that we just kind of gloss over. Oh yeah, he doubted and he needed to see this. Like that statement is one of the highest confessions of Jesus's divinity in all of the New Testament. I'm like. That he's recognizing Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, as Lord and God. And the, the, the verbiage he uses there is super, super powerful. And the way John records it is powerful. Because John uses that word Lord all throughout his gospel. And he uses it in different ways. It's kind of like we use, I and mean, we use the term like Lord and Lady, right? And you think of like, he uses it in like a, a reverent respect for people. You use the term Lady? I mean, people do. Okay. I, I call people Lord lady. and Lady. We're Lord and Ladies, <laughs> welcome. Downton Abbey. Uh, when you get home from work, do you say, greetings, Lady Lindsay. Lady Lindsay. <laughs> Lords and Ladies, thank you for coming this morning. I say that on Sunday all the time. Lords and Ladies. Um, but John uses that in this in this sense of, of reverence for people. And Jesus, obviously, um, and but this this way he uses the Lord is is uh, specifically in this in the resurrection um, account after that John uses that word in a different way the the word Lord um, and it's a divine designation for Jesus as God as the resurrected Lord of the universe um, he becomes more than Rabbi Jesus more than a respected person of history he is the risen Lord that they are now putting their faith in. Um, it's again, it's the highest possible confession of faith in Jesus that Thomas makes, and it's huge. And um, I, I, I think that's something not to look over because we go, yeah, Thomas is the doubter, but I'm like, yeah, but he makes this amazing confession and declaration of who Jesus is to him and who Jesus is, you know, overall. And uh, I'm like, that's cool. And uh, Jesus is going to kind of say, hey, like, I know he gives him, hey, you should, you should have believed before, and this confession could have and should have come without seeing, but now that it is, I mean, it's a it's a really cool thing to think about, and uh, I, I think it's cool that it comes from this guy, Thomas, that we can um, relate to, that we can understand. Like, yeah, faith is hard. Like, we now, on the other side of the resurrection, I've never had the resurrected Jesus poof into a room with me and say, hey, you want to touch here? Um, poke, up, poke him. Yeah. yeah. Hey, are you real? It's you. Um, and he's, you know, so I'm, I'm having to believe, and, and I believe that he is Lord and God, Without seeing him, that's what Jesus goes on to say, um, is, hey, Thomas, 
you have made a good statement, right? That's again another thing I think we don't don't realize. Yeah, um, he says you you believe because you have seen me, and then blessed are those who believe without seeing me. So you don't think Thomas gets enough credit, and I agree with you. And and I think another thing to point out is that um, Jesus doesn't get enough credit in this particular scenario because it, to me it's an example of him figuring. I mean, he knows where we're at, and he's figuring out a way to get us from where we're at to where he wants us to be. And so he meets us where we're at and helps us take the next step. And, and, you know, we don't, it doesn't always do it on our terms, but he is really good at figuring out how best to inspire and motivate you to take whatever your next step is. He doesn't, he doesn't just stay off in the distance somewhere and say, well, good luck, uh, you know, seek me and try and find me. And uh, gosh, I hope you make it. No, he comes right where we're at and says, here's who I am. Here's who I want to be. Here's your next step. And he, walks with us and helps us to take those next steps. Yeah, Jesus is finding people. We don't find Jesus. He's exactly. always pursuing us. He always has before the creation of the world. Mm-hmm. Like, he's always in pursuit of us. And, yeah, we've got a broken soundtrack where we say it's Doubting Thomas. We should really just say, oh, t- you, oh you mean Thomas the believer? Yep, the exactly. The declarer yeah, of the, Who Lord made this am- amazing statement of who Jesus was as resurrected that Lord? Thomas? Like, oh, yeah. Okay, now I believe you told us, you pulled it off. And now I'm seeing it. I believe you are Lord. You are the supremely infinite being of of our universe who loves and cares for me. You are my Lord. You are my God. That's huge. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, yeah, Thomas, no, not that. I'm like, yeah, remember what he said after he, he did believe? Yeah. And like how many of us in that same situation would have been like, you guys saw him? Well, I wasn't there. Like what, you know, you guys were crying yesterday because he was dead. And now like, yep. well, you didn't believe either. Right. This is another example of, um, and we have lots of them in Scripture, of just a transformed life. So he goes from doubting Thomas to believing Thomas. You have um, Saul the persecutor who becomes Paul the apostle. Just dramatic 180 degree turnaround. Just story after story. And in in present day, in our own lives, uh, very, very dramatic transformations. It's, It's what you were talking about, Kyle, the dynamic. You go in one direction dynamically, not passively. And then Jesus comes and transforms your life, and you end up 180 degrees going the other other way. That's my story. Well, that's everybody's story who comes to Christ. Because yep. we were dead in our sins, and then we, Jesus pursues yep. us. We respond to him through faith. Then now we're alive in Christ, and that's the reality, and therefore our life is drastically different mm-hmm. and yep. changed. Yep. So good. I wanted to jump off and talk about, you know, this doubt and this. Then I think along with that, there's fear. Um you know, Craig, you talked about, like, the proof that Christ is who he says he is, mm-hmm. you know, that um, he is the Messiah, and he really did die, and he did really did rise again so that we can bank our lives on the reality of, no, Jesus is real. He is the resurrected Christ, so therefore, everything he says is true, the promise, the forgiveness of sins, the reality mm-hmm. of um, we're eternally with him in heaven, and heaven is wherever Christ is, so, um, you know, it's not a place. Uh, the reality of that we're his family, we're a royal priesthood. We're a holy people now because everything that's true of Christ is true of us. We're um, just blessed with every spiritual blessing. Everything that God has has been, you know, shared with us. And just all of that is true of who we are. Um, and then it, and then we have these moments where we begin to doubt in life. And we mm-hmm. want to dream big for our lives. We want to step into the things that God's put in our hearts to do good for him in the world, to bring the good news in different ways, to uh, whatever it is for different people to 
you know, do something for kids or for single moms or for widows or for orphans or for uh, a next door neighbor or uh, just something that is stirring in our hearts. And then this doubt creeps in, right? And it freezes us and it paralyzes us in our stories, kind of like what we've done with Thomas. We like froze him. And that's your story. That's, that's who you are. You're, You're the, the doubter. doubter. You're the doubter. <laughs> yep. Like, yeah. no, he's not. Like, he moved past that. Yep. And the step of action is the cure for doubt. And, and uh, the only thing that I've experienced in life is to build confidence is, like, uh, try it. Like, take a stab, stab at it, you know. Um, I remember running in college, just kind of running casually, and I'd run with my friend Josh Epperson, and we'd go to his parents' house on the weekend sometimes, and we'd run this 5K loop, the Lamolo loop. Um, they lived in Paulsbo. We'd run down the street and went out on this point, Lamolo point, and we'd run it. And he was an athlete, played soccer, uh, was a phenomenal athlete, and, and he would just run. And I just remember just like, 5K, that's a long ways, and I can't make it. And then we'd get back, and he'd want to do like a core routine. I'm like, oh, I'm dying. <laughs> and so people ask me all the time, like, how do, you, how do you believe and do an Ironman, you know, do long distance stuff? How do you go ride a bike for six hours? Uh, one pedal stroke at a time. Yep, everything's one step and at a time. you're crazy. I mean, it starts with this mental weirdness in your head. Yeah, a belief then, that it's possible. There you go. And how does it, but how does it work? Yeah, you put one foot in front of the other. You know, it's one swim stroke and then the next swim stroke. That's all you can do is be in that moment. And that's what, that's what builds the confidence, though. It's like, I talk to so many people, like, for running. They're like, oh, I could never fill in the blank. I could never run 13 miles. I could never run a marathon. Sure you could. I mean, you can't with that mindset. Yeah, I was going to say, with that attitude, it's like, yeah, you, if you believe that, you're already right because you've placed that in, into, your, mm -hmm. into your mind. And you're like, yeah, I can't. Well, yeah, because you believe you can. That's your first step. And right. then once, like, yeah, you get off the couch. Because it's doubt. Yep. And how that paralyzes our stories, paralyzes what God wants us to do to bring the good news to people around us is like, well, I can't. Or it's such a big dream. It's so grand. It's so like, okay, I would need like a couple million bucks and like a staff of team of people and a building and to like serve, you know, what underprivileged kids. Like, well, who's a who's an under, underprivileged kid that you're encountering already today? You know, just having more eyes open on that. And I just think, I think there's people listening in that would have stuff stirring around in their heart. And there's there's a doubt and a fear of like, well, what if it isn't true? What if it doesn't come true? What if it doesn't come to fruition like I think it would, my dream, my hope? Um, and, and so I'm not gonna take any action on it. And we don't know if Thomas took action, but maybe maybe he did. Maybe he declared this, my Lord, my God, as he's touching Jesus. You know, and he just, nothing like building confidence, like trying it. You know, you don't think you could do something? Try it, see what happens. Mm -hmm. But we live in an over, um, hyper-aware, reviewed, uh, highlight-driven. Social media is the highlights of life, you know? And it's like, well, if I try it, it probably won't work out like so-and-so. My life won't be perfect like their life's perfect. Or, you know, I shouldn't try a golf shot because I'm not going to hit my driver like Kyle does, so I shouldn't even try it. Well, nobody's as good I as mean, Kyle. Yeah, maybe one day. Remember that one time, though, we were playing Circling Raven? <laughs> and you, <laughs> yeah. The first tee, and you yeah. drove it out of bounds? I did. I, I got like a double bogey, bogey or double bogey, and you got a birdie. I, my eagle you got a birdie. Lipped, the, lipped the cup, though. It, you were very close to an eagle. almost went in. And then, but I think I birdied the second hole or a part in. You might have. You were a couple I strokes did. I birdied up, in another hole. Like, through four, I was leading you. 
I have to just bring this up. This is the highlight of my short golf career, and it may be the only <laughs> highlight I ever have in my entire life. So I'm, but I, I like I'm how you bring that up, though, because and, and fear associated with that, because I, I, we see it all the time, that fear is numbing. It, it, we talked about it a little bit in a conversation the other day. It's, it, it grips people. It's paralyzing. Mm-hmm. And so that fear yeah. or that doubt, like, I, I think they are very closely related, like, it, it paralyzes us. And so we don't even try because we're scared of failure. We're scared of not measuring up. We're scared that it won't be what we think it is or we doubt that that will turn out. So we don't do anything. And we go, it, it's su- such a paralyzing factor in our life. And again, I think it's back to the way that we understand this unbelief and belief. It's it's dynamic. It's not just like, oh, well, it's it's, it's keeping me here from not going. No, it's dynamically moving yeah, you. moving in an opposite direction. In a different direction. And so I think we need to be careful as we talk about that and think about that, that it's it's not just passive, like, oh, well, I'm not moving where I want to be. I'm not taking a step forward. No, you are dynamically moving in a different direction, yeah. and it's very dangerous. By not taking action, I'm just going to stay safe, sit on the couch or whatever it is, and not take action on that. We think that's the safe route. Yep. You are, you're losing ground. Yep. That is, that is risky. You are, yep. Your inaction is action, and you are missing out on purpose and opportunity in your life. And, and honestly, most of the time in my life, when I just take action on something, you, I find out, oh, it's not as scary as I thought it was. Yeah. Oh, it's not as difficult. Oh, I'm actually pretty decent at this, or I enjoy this kind of work, or that is helpful at serving someone. Mm-hmm. And we just need to, to, to get out of the paralysis of analysis or and take some action on it. Or we try it, and we realize, okay, this is not for me, but that gives us the confidence to try the next thing and the next thing until we find what is us. Mm-hmm. And we find the, you know, the lane that, that we really are enjoying and that we were you know, intended to... To, to be in. And so trial and error is, is an okay thing. I did that in the early years. I tried various types of ministry and realized, okay, well, this isn't really me and that's not really me, but this is me. And it's just, so trial and error, it's like, I, I think people, oh, failing is okay. Like if I get, if I take a step and, I, and it doesn't result in, you know, what I was hoping it would result in, somehow we think that's a failure. No, that's just it's a way. Learning. Of, it's learning. It's yeah. It's eliminating options and narrowing things down until we we find our groove or our niche or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah. What it means to follow Jesus, we, we've been really hammering home the sweet spot of yeah, the sweet spot. Who, who you are, how God has hardwired you, what you can bring to the rest of the world, your part uh, in, a, in a scriptural term, in the body of Christ, you know, your role, and really what that means um, in, in light of like getting a, a goal accomplished, doing some work, and that you would know who you are. You know, humility is thinking... Uh, of yourself less often, not thinking less of yourself. So we're all very capable. Everyone's role is equally important. Uh, everyone's role just looks different. And I don't, I've said that like 4,000 times, and I think I only have to say it like 12 million more times because I think it has been for hundreds of years said the other way that, that there are more important roles yep. than others in the world, and especially in the body of Christ. But that's not what it says. Read Romans 12. Read 1 Corinthians 12. As mm-hmm. Jesus said, no, no, no. There's one head. That's me. Great. Now the rest of you. And all the parts are necessary and important. And if one is missing, the body is dysfunctional. Yeah. And so we need everyone to know who they are, their sweet spot, and then to step into that fully. Um, otherwise, stuff, yeah. Is, yeah, stuff is missing out. Yeah, and you guys touched on a little bit last week as you talked through you know th- these interactions with Jesus 
um, sending out his his followers and commissioning them. And we're going to continue to talk about it here in the podcast and in our series that we're in right now. That that's that's for us as as people who are trying to follow Jesus today. Is again, I think it's so silly that we have created this hierarchy in the Jesus following world of you're special because you can talk to people on a Sunday morning or you can play an instrument or you get paid to do it or whatever it is. Or like, yeah, they, they have a cool testimony or they went through some stuff. And like, yeah, we all have a story and we're all doing our best to follow Jesus and to help other people find and follow him too. And I think the more we understand the collective way that Jesus intended us to do life um, and do life together and on mission for him, mm-hmm. the more effective we'll be at that the active part of the positive part of following after him in faith. Because uh, it's so much better when we understand that, yeah, we, we do have, I do have a role, and it's just as important as so-and-so's, and, mm-hmm. and we can do it together. And when I help with them, and when we do this thing together, um, we are way better at being this, this functioning full body that moves down the road further, faster, better. You know, you were talking about how fear paralyzes us. I was, I was thinking about a meeting, a group of pastors that I was meeting with yesterday, and we got to telling some stories. And one of the stories actually involved one of our guests here on the podcast. And I, I was telling a story about Steve, Pastor Steve Archer, who was our guest a couple months ago, and, or three or four months ago. And, and Steve, um, he was on staff of a church in Seattle, and then he went out to plant a church and had a bad experience. And after that experience, he wasn't even sure he wanted to be in ministry at all. And uh, one day he got a phone call from me, and I said, hey, I've started this church down at Grand Coulee. I can't pastor that one and the one I'm at. Uh, both, so I need somebody to come. Would you consider it? And he wasn't interested at first, and and he, he was fearful. I've just had a bad experience. I don't want to have another bad experience. I'll probably have another bad experience because I just had one. And and I think so. Sometimes, for for us as we follow Christ, it's not just the step I've never taken before that is fearful to me. It's sometimes the step I did take maybe once or twice before, and it didn't work out. And you don't want to have regret again. Yeah, we get gun-shy, as the saying goes. And so he was wrestling through that. He decided to go ahead and take the step and ended up in over three decades of very fruitful ministry, did a fabulous job loving a community and leading a church. And it was amazing. He would have missed out on that had he let fear keep him from taking a step that he had taken before. And, you know, he, he... didn't have that great of a, an experience, but he took the step, and God used him in a, in a great way. Yeah, because our, not that, again, to, to balance it, not that we don't have wisdom, not that we're not seeking God, it's not like we're just winging it and just whatever, we should just take action on whatever, but stuff that we know, like, okay, I can serve somebody, I can help, you know, preach the good news to somebody in some way, serving them, loving them, um, it's, again, how I'm hardwired, and we kind of overthink things, and we kind of overanalyze things. And I think Jesus is looking for more participants than perfectionists. And our inaction is really a strong action. And we think it's safer, and we think it's less risky. But I think it's one of the riskiest things we can do because we are paralyzed. We're not doing anything good, and we're missing out on these opportunities. Kind of as a metaphor, it's like um, we were camping one year, and the boat broke down in the middle of the lake. And if we just sat there and had nothing, took, you know, inaction, let's just be safe, let's not do anything. Uh, The winds were going about 20 miles an hour. So so the (laughs) boat, we were adrift. 
and we just don't know. I'm that. remembering several <laughs> such stories. So oh, which one are which you talking one about? I'm talking about. There are a few. There uh, are a few. At, at Sun Lakes, when Ben oh, and yeah. I, Amy, and a few of the kids were in the boat, and <laughs> uh, the, we were adrift. We were being blown by the wind, and like Kyle, like you're saying, if we just take, it's not mm -hmm. a passive thing. Like, okay, if we don't do anything, no. we're safe. Nothing will happen. No, there is tons happening. Yep. And if we didn't take some action, and we tried, and we had a. <laughs> the boat was adrift, and we were headed towards the rocky shore, and the only paddle we had in there was like a plastic paddle you'd use for a <laughs> blow-up two-man thing. We had a boat full of people, and we tried to use that. We were going nowhere. We got out. We were trying to swim it. Yeah, so we said, we just got to ride this wind, let it push us into the shore, catch the boat before it hits the rocks, and then get all the kids out. Thankfully, that shoreline was right next to the road. So we called you, you came over with the truck, picked up the, uh, the stragglers, and then we couldn't get the boat started. Um, and that so was because of bad gas. I'd put the wrong kind of gas in that boat. Th that is great humility, Craig. <laughs> Way to own that. I didn't want to bring that Not part bad. of the story no, up. I, it was a live and learn thing. I told Jeremy and I went up to the gas station with the boat on the trailer, and it's like, he says, I'm going to go in and get something. I said, I'll gas it up. And so I just you gassed it up. You put 87 in. I did. The boat needs 92. Yeah, which my last boat ran on just great. I maybe probably knew that his needed premium, but it wasn't occurring to me in the moment. Yeah. So I filled it up with the gas that it does not yeah. run well on. Once that mixed uh, mix got down to about 87, yep. less than 92 in oh, there, geez. she quit on us on a couple uh, couple miles away from the dock. And then the rest of that story is we went and got some premium, put it in there, and it ran great the rest of the yeah. time. We got a slow tow back to the dock that day. It was like <laughs> an hour. Somebody great was job, gracious. guys. But anyways, my point is that it just feels like that in life, like, we let fear, we let doubt creep in from these dreams, these things we want to take action on. We think it has to be this big, grand thing when God's saying take this small step, be faithful in the little thing, and watch what God will do and continue to produce. And if you're, if you're seeking after, like, a big headline or a spotlight or a big, grand thing, you're probably not seeking after it with the right heart to serve people, to love people. You know, if, if as, as a communicator uh, on a stage, on a podcast, if I can't share Christ with uh, a neighbor in my front yard, I shouldn't be sh trying to share Christ with people, you know, on different platforms, because then it becomes more about me and my ego and what I'm trying to do, and let it be less about serving people, what I can give to them, and and what I can give to them is this good news of who Jesus is, and hopefully they respond to God's pursuing of them, and the, what it means to follow him. And the good way, news that John would, tells us in verse 31. Let's go. So good, the way he ends uh, this thought there, that he kind of tells us why he's writing all these things down, right? Why he's telling us his eyewitness account. Um, verse 31, these things are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. That's so good right so there. Good. And that, I feel that's, like John that ended, is, and then he's like, oh, let me tell, I got, you, let me I got tell a little one bit more story. It's like, yeah, that's the he end did. of the book, right? No. Yeah, there's an epilogue. Yeah, and some, some translations, they actually label it that way. It's not right. in the scripture itself, but yeah, epilogue or postscript yeah. or whatever. more thoughts. Um, and, and that statement in verse 31 that he makes is not just a great statement for his book, which is, I think, his primary intention, but it's a great statement for all of scripture. Mm -hmm. What is Genesis to Revelation all about? These things are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you'll have life in his name. That, that just... That's just so good. Yeah. So succinct. It's the purpose of life. Yep. What's yep. the Bible about? Right there. Where John 20, 31. Where we find life. And so hopefully today you're encouraged with um, maybe take some action on that dream that you have rolling around or the thing that God's been speaking to you about. And you know you just need to uh, 
uh, quit being passive about it because uh, life is just blowing you around and you can take some action on it and step in and gain some confidence be, by taking action. That's really the only way it happens. Um, and failure is along the way. Perfectionism is not the goal. Right. Being a participant is. Uh, failure happens. And how it's really you, a learning process. Mm -hmm. That's how we learn to, well, I don't know, walk and how, talk. How do you learn? Yeah, how do you learn how to walk or ride a bike or any of that kind of stuff? Right. Yep, you have to be willing to crash and burn a little bit. Yeah, and that's part of life and that we would not see failure as such a negative thing, but a, a, a learning thing, an opportunity to grow. Because um, we'll, we'll get into it here, but to foreshadow, you know, uh, Peter had some major failure, and Jesus comes along and restores him. And um, so I thought maybe it would be fun, too, if we just share some of our failures in the next podcast. Oh, yeah. Let's just talk about let's it. Let's talk about it. You know, be a little more transparent on some of the stuff we've tried and just kind of flopped uh, and how we recovered from that. What we Can't think of that. any. So Can't think I mean. of any. Good. You have a whole, like, week well, Kyle, or two. To, uh, Kyle, I can think it. of a few oh, yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't think of any of my own. <laughs> no, it's bring your own failure talk, Craig. It's oh, not bring okay. up other people's failure talk. Oh, gee. Like, okay. why the, do I? The, first, the time I hit off the first tee at Circling Ram, by the way, <laughs> it was not out of bounds. It was in a hazard. So it I was did, a hazard. Yeah, it's a lateral hazard, red stake, not white stake, so I didn't lose the distance. I could drop up there. So, by the way. Uh -huh. I just just for the just, record, mine went over the bunker you were aiming for. Yeah, and, and I, I just I just got through it. And too then my well. second shot, three wood, was a miracle of Jesus. That was a good shot. And no, honestly, and we're we, back to golf. We're back to golf. Uh, it's it's pretty much uh, golf season is full tilt right now. Oh, I was thinking about another great place to I, listen no, to I your. To oh, say, okay. Just a, after about <laughs> three or four holes, we looked at. I don't remember where where what we were. About three or four holes in, we just look at each other, and you just go. What is happening? Because I'm playing like ridiculous, and I go, I don't know, man. This is, and then the back nine was the normal train wreck, but through four, it was like a miracle of Jesus moment. This was really meaningful for Scott. This is the second time he's told me this story. Like, in oh, maybe he two brings weeks. it up all the time. Oh, I bring, yeah, all the time. <laughs> remember that time? I think it was through. Is either three or four holes? He's like, remember that time through four holes? Because like, he was, I think he was one under. I think you did like par. I think you might have been even par through like three or hole, three holes or something. I know through five we were tied. After five, you started to take the lead. Um, but I was beating you through yeah. four holes. I shoot over a hundred. Kyle shoots seventy nine. Like it's it's. A and I shoot about seventy five. Yeah. On the first nine holes. The first. <laughs> and the nine. same on the back. Uh, I did think of another great place to listen to this podcast. Now that it's spring. Okay. Mowing the lawn. Mowing the lawn. Mowing the lawn's a good podcast. Oh yeah. I've done that? a ton of podcasts mowing Kay. the lawn. Okay. Yep. yep. I'm That's with you a there. Good one. I, I think for exercise, I have to stay a little more mentally focused Kay. until stuff clicks and I can Mono tune a good one. Honestly, for me, why part of why I run is God spoke to me about like doing Ironman, and I've shared that story in the podcast. And so it's a connection time. So it's really like if I need to work through like a message or some content stuff, I just go run and like as long as I'm not dying too much. Like God and I have great conversations. I'm able to hear the voice of the Lord much stronger in my life. Uh, once I get warmed up about four miles in and from four to ten, it's like quality Jesus time. So I feel like Jesus talks to me there about like, you're going to die. It's over for you. <laughs> you're coming to meet me. No, stop, that's your stop doubt. Doing oh, what that's you're my doubt. We just talked about doubt. <laughs> Jesus here. talks to me when I'm in the hot tub at night. It's great. <laughs> I'm relaxed. I'm focused. It's good. On vacation. Yeah. No, Arizona. literally hot tub like every night. That's my moment. That's it's quiet. The stars are out. Not when I'm running. I feel like I'm just. Life is over. At that How about point. when you're standing in the pool reading your book on the side of the... No, I'm more thinking about Tiger and <laughs> right. his great career. Not Anyways, well, Jesus thanks for tuning in today. I hope no, you were encouraged. We're, we got to wrap this up. We, Otherwise, yeah. we'll just keep talking about vacations and golf. And 
uh, things of that nature. But hope you're encouraged today. Take some action. Understand what it means to follow Jesus and diving into who you are in Christ, how God's hardwired you, and uh, move past some of this doubt. And ultimately, that you would move past some doubt on who Jesus is and that you would put your faith uh, and hope and trust in him. Because as we just read, uh, that that is where life is found. It's the only place and that that's the whole purpose of our podcast. That's the whole purpose of the story of, of Christ recorded for us in the scriptures. So thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you and we will see you next week. You can help people find and follow Jesus by subscribing to the podcast, sharing it with some friends and leaving a review so it's easier for others to find it. 